Hej och välkommen till Hillandsvärlden. Idag har vi en podcast på engelsk. So, welcome to Hilland's World. My name is Thomas Hilland Eriksson and this podcast deals with all sorts of things that interest me. It's mostly in Norwegian, but today we make an exception, which we will also a few times, I believe, in the future, and speak English. Um, because I have the pleasure of having been joined today by one of the world's most important uh, theorists and scholars in the field of mobile communication, namely uh, Dr. Professor Richard Ling, Rich Ling, who currently works as a professor at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore, but he has lived and worked in Norway for many years. So Rich is fluent in Norwegian, but still we decided to do this in English since it's his first language and it's also his working uh, language. Uh, so, uh, so, um, Rich, uh, welcome to Hillans World. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. And a great honor. So, I mean, among other things, I mean, Rich has been the founding editor of a journal called the Mobile Media and Communication. And he's also uh, editor-in-chief of uh, Journal of Computer-Mediated Communication. And as a matter of fact, you know, Rich, when I started to be, get interested in so the smartphone, I thought, it would be a good idea. It would be nice to write a book about the smartphone because there probably isn't that much research around. <laughs> this was last year, right? I knew about your work, of course. Mm-hmm. And I knew about you know, a couple of others, like Daniel Miller, who's a very prolific anthropologist in London, who does interesting things on, on mobile communication. Oh, Polymedia, you know, for example. That's right, the concept of polymedia. Uh, but I thought there wasn't much more. But then I started to read you know, the journal that you founded, Mobile Media and Communication, and I realized that there's a huge amount of literature already mm-hmm. on the smartphone and on mobile communication. Yeah. It's, uh, it's grown and grown and grown. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's growing exponentially, it seems. I mean, only the other day I had a, a glass of wine with an old friend of mine. He's a peace and conflict researcher, mm-hmm. and he also works in Myanmar, like, like yourself. He also okay. had a project in Myanmar. And uh, I told him, well, you know, for the time being, I'm doing some stuff on the smartphone. And he said, well, so am I, because he's looking at insurgent groups and conflicts. And they say, he says that, you know, much of this war, in fact, takes place now more or less on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's inevitable. Yeah, Myanmar is a fascinating place because up until, what, 2013, they were among the least deafening uh, coverage of, of mobile phones in the world, yeah. along with Cuba, North Korea, Eritrea and some of the islands out in the Pacific. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. And today? It's 70, there are 70 or 80 subscriptions per 100 people, something like that in Myanmar, yeah. in, in just four or five years. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's exploded. Yeah. And and you've followed this more or less from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. we had yeah. some people out in the field uh, studying, you know, what effect does mobile phone have on, on just every people uh, in their everyday lives. We followed trishaw riders, we followed uh, 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 rag pickers, we followed uh, uh, enclaves of Indian people, we followed all kinds of different groups uh, to find out how they were sort of making sense out of the mobile phone. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and uh, if you were to sum up what you found, what was it? I th- it it's amazingly how fast it's gone through the, through the society. Uh, Almost every level of the society is able to, is, uh, can afford to have a phone. There's interesting though the bottom of the pyramid, the people that make less than two dollars a day. Those are the ones that are can't really make it. They don't have enough money to buy a phone. It's a hand to mouth type of ex- existence. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see sort of the the f- interaction between 
how society is turning more and more over to mobile-based interactions, but that group, in a sense, is getting squeezed. Yeah. We interviewed, for example, a woman who's a fishmonger. Uh-huh. Every morning, she has to borrow basically $100 to go buy her fish. Right. Uh, and uh, in the evening, she has to pay, pay the, the money lender $102. So it's 2% yeah. interest a day, yeah. which is however many percent per year, which is crazy. Yeah. She does. She can't afford a phone. She doesn't make enough money to afford a phone. Sometimes she borrows a phone so that she can call the people that she's selling to and says, you know, this kind of fish came in. Should I buy some for you? In yeah. other words, to reduce her risk. Exactly. So she she might pay somebody to make a phone call or something like occasionally. Yeah. But in general, she's you know that kind of person is kind of squeezed yeah. as the uh, as the phone makes the other parts of the economy more efficient, that, that part of the society... Uh, yeah, I can uh, see that. Yeah. So, the, the, so the marginal, as it were, the people mm. on the bottom of the food chain yeah. are suffering. Yeah, because we've seen this, I mean, uh, the, in research in Africa, south of Sahara as well, mm. that uh, people who are, work in markets, I mean, mm. are part of the semi-formal or informal even economy mm. in a country like Zambia, uh, their efficiency has improved tremendously yeah. after they got uh, smartphones mm-hmm. because of the, the everyday logistics mm-hmm. of, of supply, demand, customers, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. etc. They can be away from their shop and they can still get orders and they can still uh, take care of things. That's right. Yeah. And, they can, and they can keep a tab on people mm-hmm. in a way that they couldn't in the past. They just had to sit around and wait mm-hmm. for them to show up. Yeah. So um, we, we also interviewed another woman and she uh, the whole thing of making an order over the phone and saying, okay, I'll pay you. In other, in other words, I'm not here with the cash. I can't hand you the cash as I get the good. But you sort of have to arrange that verbally. Yeah. And we asked her, okay, well, what happens if one of these people won't, uh, doesn't pay you? Yeah. Oh, I, that never happens because they know them so well. But uh, it was fascinating. In, in Myanmar, her comment was, well, but if they don't pay me, that's okay because they'll pay for that in their next life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope so. Yeah, yeah, that, right. Yeah. But I was wondering, which I mean, since, I mean, you've been sort of looking at mobile telephony across the world, really. I mean, you've you've been involved in research in many countries, I mean, mm-hmm. such as you know, North Korean women fleeing to South Korea, exactly, yeah. South Asian migrants in Singapore, mm-hmm. uh, and so on and so forth. What are the main sort of commonalities? Because we know there's a lot of diversity between the ways people use mobile phones. Yeah. What are the main things that they but have th- in common? But I think. Th- you know, thinking about it, I think the main revolution associated with mobile communication and now the smartphone is that it makes each one of us individually available. Yeah. We're individually addressable. I can call you wherever you happen to be, whatever you happen to be doing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that that's the big revolution. We've never been able to do that before. Yeah. Uh, all the air, uh, the previous times of communication have assumed that I call, for example, to your desk phone. Mm-hmm. and in the hope that you're there. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been thinking about the phrase, he can't come to the phone right now. Yeah. The, we never say that anymore. No. Uh, <laughs> no now you, you tend to start, or sometimes you might start the phone conversation by asking, so where are you now? Yeah, exactly. Which in the past you didn't have no, to. Because, because you knew. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but that, you know, the fact that you're individually available, that has changed the way that we plan, the way that we can interact, the, the way that we arrange our daily lives. And uh, I, very early on, that, that was the whole idea of micro-coordination. Yeah. That we... In a sense, we can 
we can fine tune our interactions based on, well, do you want to meet uh, downtown on Saturday? Fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Saturday rolls around. Okay, are you going to go downtown? Yeah. I'll be down later in the afternoon when you get downtown. Okay, I'm downtown. Where are you? Well, I'm over by uh, Domchirka. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, want to meet at a cafe? Yeah, what about this? No, that's too crowded. Let's meet over there. In other words, there's this progressive interaction mm -hmm. that goes on to that allows people to interact in, in more and more refined ways. Yes. That works on a, on a, for the small group, yeah. three, four, five people. Yeah, but when you you can't run an airline based on that. No, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so right, time, yeah. you know, the the whole notion of time as a standard for meet time and place as a standard for meeting up yeah. is is challenged by the mobile phone, especially in the small group. Yeah. Uh, in large scale organizations, obviously, you can't do that. But yeah. when you get down three, four, five, six, seven people, something like that, then you mm -hmm. can do that kind of arrangement. Yeah, mm. which is mainly, I mean, you know, I, I hear that young people use WhatsApp a lot for this yeah. kind of thing, yeah. mm. for, for small groups of friends who try to coordinate what to do on Saturday evening and that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But uh, but there's been a, tra that's the transition between the, the, the uh, 2G phones, the, yep. the, uh, the dumb phones, I guess we could call them, and the yep. smartphones. Because with, with 3G, We've got the WhatsApp, we've got uh, mm -hmm. Messenger, we've got all these, the, each country has its own. There's WeChat, there's, there's yeah. Line, there's all kinds of different ones. But the point is that instead of a, a whole set of dyadic interactions mm -hmm. with a hub, everybody can be uh, interacting with everybody at the same time. Yeah. So if I, in the old days, if I wanted to invite five friends out for a beer, I would send five individual SMSs and mm -hmm. get five different answers yeah. and then have to co coordinate uh, across all of those to find out where we we're going to have our beer. Yeah. Now in WhatsApp, I just I put, I make the group. I uh, say, do you want to have a beer? And then everybody chats away and, and uh, figures mm -hmm. out uh, mm -hmm. where to meet up. So yeah. it, it, it makes it more effective that way. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah, let me just backtrack a little bit because, uh, Rich, I mean, you mentioned uh, in passing the word micro-coordination, yeah. which, which is uh, one of your sort of cent central concepts. And uh, I just have to tell our listeners that uh, uh, Rich Ling, I mean, quite early on, I think it was in 2003, 2004, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he introduced this term in order to describe some of the changes in social life engendered by the, by the mobile phone. And for good reason, I mean, that concept has caught on because it really describes something about the way in which we live. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if we could sort of backtrack a little bit more as well, because you and I are old enough to remember really well the time before the mobile phone. Mm -hmm. uh, and micro-coordination coordination in general was far more difficult then. Before the phone? Yeah, before the mobile phone. Oh, yeah. Uh, we d basically, we didn't have it. <laughs> no. like, uh, for example, I rem when I, I studied in Boulder, the University of Colorado, and there was two restaurants, Le Francais and Port La France. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I get things bobbled in my mind. And I, I remember I had a friend, shall we meet at Le Francais, she would say. Yeah. And, I, and I would show up at Port La France. And then we would get sort of angry at one another because uh, you didn't show up at the right place. Yes. Another example, previous to this, I used to live in Compton. And my wife, we had a small child. Mm -hmm. uh, she was only one year old at the time. And I was running out the door. Uh, I was going to drive down to, to Taiyan, mm -hmm. and she said, she's, my wife comes from Hardong, and she says, we trefes ved taxi station, we'll meet, no, we trefes ved taxoko, the Texaco station is what yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. And I heard taxi station. Yeah. They're about 100 meters apart, yeah. but Taiyan Center is in the middle. Uh -huh, uh -huh. To find one another, uh, took it, because we were, I was going to pick her up, we we're going to go to another yeah. person's house to, to eat dinner. Yeah. 
I had to call the other person. I had to park illegally. I had to get money. She had to do the same thing. We just couldn't find one another. Yeah. And it took a whole hour for us to sort of get back to zero, go back home, yeah. and start over again. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. It's almost incomprehensible today how we managed to survive yeah. in those days because we very suddenly became more or less addicted to having this yeah. instantaneous, instant availability yeah. continuously. So, uh, and, and uh, I remember, Rich, I mean, once when you gave a talk about micro-coordination uh, and you, you compared the situation, you know, before and after the mobile phone, everybody had stories, you know, many of the questions and comments after your talk were about the time when my, uh, I left my phone at home or I didn't have coverage or I ran mm -hmm. out of battery or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, uh, which, which places people in a precarious situation. Mm -hmm. I'm often in this, in a similar situation at airports because you have your boarding pass on, on the phone <laughs> and if you've only got you know five percent left okay and you don't have a charger with you <laughs> then then, uh, then you're yeah. in a sense it's almost like you're being socially irresponsible yes uh you're not being responsible to the people around you or the responsibilities that you have to check into the airplane or you know whatever it happens to be so i've, I've talked about how mobile phones how how these kinds of things have been structured into everyday society yeah uh we i take it for granted that I'll be able to reach you with uh, with a mobile phone, and if I can't do it, somehow you are being irresponsible to not just me, but just to your social sphere yep. uh, in in everyday life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. so th so this is a major thing, and it's it's not just happening in the affluent part of the world. Although no, no, this no, no, is no. no, I mean it's it's all, all over the place. Oh, I think uh, it's even more so in in the developing world. Yeah. Uh, th there are people that uh, uh, being able to find out when different sorts of things are coming, being able to move messages around, being able to find out when money is coming through the system, all of those kinds of things. It's yeah. terribly important yeah. uh, in, in those situations. Yeah. Uh, you referred to the refugees, the, the women. Mm -hmm. we, we wrote a paper about women leaving, uh, sneaking out of North Korea up along the Chinese border. Yeah. They smuggle in a Chinese phone and work with the... Uh, the smuggler or maybe the trafficker yeah. uh, to get across uh, the river into China uh -huh. and then hopefully they'll take them around to uh, Laos or Cambodia or something like that and then from there into southern South Korea. But sometimes they turn into uh, uh, a trafficker and yeah. they get uh, sold as a, as, a, as a bride to uh, oh. a farmer up in uh, China someplace. Right, uh, yeah. So. I guess that kind of thing happens too, yeah. yeah. But still, I mean, uh, there's, there's now also a, a growing literature, as you know, on, on refugee mobility and, uh, and the mobile phone and the, and the smartphone, mm. how that has completely transformed the experience and the prospects and the situation yeah. of, of refugees. Yeah. Not only because of the location aspect, but that's part of it. You know, you can use Google Maps so that you actually know where you are, uh, but also uh, the networking. But, but interacting with the other people who are refugees and, exactly. and, and the traffickers. We, we did some interviews with some Syrian refugees coming, uh, uh, coming from, uh, across the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they talked about being on the boat and the smugglers um, left them with just one guy. And they talked about pooling their battery. So, okay, now it's your turn to turn on your map so that we can make sure that the smuggler is taking us to the right place. And when yep. your battery ran out, now it's your turn and now it's your turn. And so there, there this, this interesting sort of pooling of, of that resource. Yep. The second they got off the boat, of course, they were competing with one another because yeah. they had to get through the gate first or they had to you know, get their papers uh, yes, taken course, care of yeah. first. So, but it was a, kind of a funny... Uh, 
yeah. a, a funny situation. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because the, the, the phone in that case, it brought people closer together yeah. because they had a common project and they had needed to coordinate uh, themselves and they needed the, the mobile phone as a sort of a device or as an aid in order to do so. Yeah. But uh, but it struck me, I mean, when, uh, I mean, a, a little while ago, you spoke about the way in which we are all now individually available yeah. and, uh, and in a way deterritorialized in the sense that you could be in Malaysia, you know, you could be in California mm-hmm. and people can ring you up without really knowing where you are and it doesn't really matter much. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, uh, in a not too distant past, the time <laughs> of the phone book, uh, I, you know, uh, I started to think the other day, when exactly did they stop printing for oh telephone directories? You, you should know that, having been a researcher with oh. Telenor for many years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think maybe 10, 15 years ago, something like it. It yeah. used to be the, 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 all the sports clubs would make their money by, by delivering yeah, the phone books. Yeah, that's right. And from year to year, they would always show up uh, two or three of them on your doorstep, something like that. That's right. And you'd, uh, it must have been a huge, well, it was a huge resource uh, yeah. uh, uh, to, to print all of that. It was quite expensive, and the print was so small that anybody above the age of 50 would have a magnifying glass lying <laughs> next to the phone book. <laughs> and we had furniture. Uh, we we yeah. had a, a telephone chair with, with a little place. Yeah, with, a, could, yeah, with a drawer or, yeah, or a shelf. With the phone on your, top, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there were some wonderful uh, research that was done in 19 in the 40s and then again in the 60s some people went around to different homes in Oslo and drew where all the different uh, uh, furniture was uh-huh. and uh, you could see the the coming of the phone in these these different uh, the different phases of that project yeah it was, it was fascinating and also the television the way that that yeah that's right the, yeah <laughs> and the phone often was I mean if you had the possibility it would be somehow in the hall I mean in yeah. the sort of semi-public sphere where you could you you might be able to have a, a, a sort of a more confidential conversation with a bit of luck, mm-hmm. with, with, without too much eavesdropping from your parents and so yeah. on. But when I first started, they, we were we studied. We sent out a questionnaire, and the big thing for teens was to get their parents to get an extension in their room. Yeah. Uh, and so they so that they could talk with their boyfriend or girlfriend without the the parents listening in. Directly, yeah. the parents, of course, could uh, pick up the the phone and out in the hallway and say, yeah. "It's time for you to get off the phone," and <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. But but still, that was uh, that was the big thing. And then, of course, yeah. came pagers, and then after yes. that, mobile phones. Yes, and mm-hmm. how, how fast this has changed. You know, I mean, I, I live in a house which was built in the late 1990s, so it's actually a fairly new house. Mm-hmm. But scattered around that house, you have these ISDN, you know, uh, <laughs> connections. Okay, so that you could have phones in several rooms. And uh, by the time we moved in, you know, which is 18 years ago, this was obsolete already. Ah. But, you know, that would be a fascinating study of just basically looking at the architecture of homes drawn in the 1930s and the 1950s and the 1970s and seeing, you know, there wasn't the assumption of a a television. Uh, So people would sit around and talk with one another instead of having the focus on on, on the television and, and, and so on. And yeah. so uh, for the homes being drawn today, I'm, I'm sure that they have a whole different metaphor in the, yeah. in the minds of the, of the architects. Do you think that this new technology, and I'm now thinking about the, you know, the, the smartphone and, and everything that it can do and do for us, mm. uh, such as, uh, I mean, watching films, well, you can also do that on a laptop, uh, listening to music and so on, and also speaking to people uh, really uh, on an individual basis. Does it, does it lead to some kind of fragmentation in family life? Mm. That's you know that's the, the uh, uh, I have to uh, answer both yes and no. Yeah, uh, I think that we do have far better access to the nearest people 
uh, we can call them almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, for example, we did some work on uh, after the bomb went off in Oslo on twenty uh, second uh, of July. Yeah, uh, and we looked at uh, who people called, and the first call was to their strongest tie. Yeah. We uh, we didn't have we don't have the ability to tell who that person was. We just knew that that was the person that they they called the most. Yeah. The second was the second strongest tie, and so on. Yeah. For me, that says that 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 that. that small intimate group it gives us really good access to that group yes people talk about you know we don't talk with the person at the bus anymore and you know at the mm -hmm, bus station mm -hmm. anymore you know in other words there there is some of this public interaction that yeah. that uh, is that has uh, suffered is because of the mobile phone but at the same time we do have really good access to those people who are important to us yes. and that's kind of you know that's uh, we're moving the furniture around a little bit in relation to who we interact with mm -hmm. um and so, so the answer yeah. to your question is: I think, in some ways, it's 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 turned down the 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 interaction with some people, sort mm -hmm. of the more um, looser ties, I suppose. But it's yeah. also increased the interaction, made those people much much stronger. Yeah. Whereas in in other domains, I mean, I I, I agree what you're saying. I mean, if we make this distinction between the rough distinction between the strong and weak ties, I yeah. mean, you have the prim your primary group, which yeah. would, would be you may be four, five or ten, you know, closest yeah. friends, relatives, and so on, and then there's everybody else. Yeah. Uh, and I I believe that that, that you once uh, said that. Uh, the vast majority of text messages are sent to just a few people. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, about half of all your text messages and half of all, well, it's not text messages yeah. anymore. That's changed. Yeah, well, anything, but, but calls. Yeah. But they go to uh, half of them uh, go to about three, four, five people, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So there's a very, very strong preference for the, the those closest ties. Yes. Yeah, so in other yeah. words, the strong ties are being strengthened, and uh, and uh, what you said about you know not talking you know people at the bus station and so on, which which is. Probably, probably true. You know, mm. uh, people sit engrossed with a little in the little screens. Uh, so some weak ties are being weakened. But at the other, uh, on the other hand, I mean, some weak ties are also being strengthened through yeah. platforms such as Facebook. Yeah. Oh. You know, if if I need to find somebody who uh, some distant tie or some somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, yeah. uh, you know, there's the six degrees of separation yep. that we can uh, yep. uh, employ. Far more nimbly now that we ha that we have these devices and you know uh, the platforms like you say Facebook and yeah. WhatsApp and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the of course we we don't really have the data and we probably never will, but it's possible to speculate whether the um, degrees six degrees of separation thesis. I mean uh, the, the the idea that everybody on the planet is connected to everybody else through a maximum of six, as mm. it were, steps yeah. uh, through a network. Would that have been reduced, the number of steps? I, actually, I think they've done, uh, Keith Hampton has done some of that, and, and they find that it actually has been reduced to a certain yeah. degree. It's, it's, it's far more efficient. You know, the six degrees of separation, you have to take that with a, a grain of salt, because yeah. he, what he gave a bunch of uh, envelopes to people in Kansas, and they were supposed That's to find idea. a dentist in Boston. Yeah. And, and the vast majority of them <coughs> went, went lost, <coughs> went missing. Yeah. But the ones that did get there, they, it took six jumps. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so it's it's a little bit of a funny. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, uh, but but still, uh, I've I've played around with that. For example, what's it called? IMD, IMDb. The, yeah, the, the, the film. The database. film thing. Yeah. And trying to find people that have more than six uh, degrees of separation there is is quite difficult, actually. Mm -hmm. but, but I found, for example, if I look up Nigerian um, movie stars. 
They yeah. usually don't have much with George Clooney. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so it's yeah, a right. little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're in two separate spheres. Yes, uh, yes. But then, and then you have the, sort of the, the, the Kevin Bacon phenomenon. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. At the, the number of degrees of separation within anybody who's played in Hollywood or in American film yeah. to Kevin Bacon is maximum, I think, three or four. But Congolese uh, film stars are... They don't, uh, no, they would, they would <laughs> not be as well connected. <laughs> so so I, I think that... Uh, yeah. I think that we're more efficient in, in dealing with these network structures and we're more, mm-hmm. more, more accomplished at doing that. I think that younger people are, are quite accomplished at, at being able to use these networking ideas. Uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So this does, I mean, so this transforms uh, time and space in many ways. I yeah. mean, that's a recurrent theme also in much of your work. I mean, the restructuring of, of time and space in, in contemporary life. Yeah. So, uh, yes, we, I mean, uh, I think all of us have some inkling of how space is being reconfigured. But what about time? Ah. In, in terms of, you know, micro-coordination and time. Well, I think, you know, there, there's, we're doing a lot more, uh, well, there's the whole multitasking idea. Yeah. Uh, perhaps we have a lot more parallel threads going on at any given time. Mm-hmm. And that's both interesting but it's also a little bit dangerous i think yeah. uh the whole idea that uh i can be reading and attending to my children or something like yeah, that right or particularly i can be driving and i can be texting at the same time yep uh you know those sorts of things i think that that's where we're just being we're f- trying to fool ourselves yeah uh and i think that that's extremely dangerous to to have that sort of uh, an idea so but but in uh, that would be sort of a compressing of time yeah. Uh, saying that we're 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 dealing with small bits of things in in uh, yeah. smaller bite-sized bits of things. Yeah, and we're stacking events. Yeah, as, yeah. A, as one might put it. Yeah. And perhaps, for example, consuming news, we don't read the whole article. We just take the little bit that's on on Facebook, mm-hmm. and so we get sort of a little. Uh, uh, a yeah. dim zoom instead of a... Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, you get a world of headlines. <laughs> yeah, exactly, something like that. So, yeah. uh, no, I think that uh, at time, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Um, yeah, uh, the, way, the way in which, I mean, I think you've spoken about this before as well, Rich, or maybe you've written about it, the way in which... Uh, one doesn't really have to, you don't have to watch the time when you do micro-coordination no. with others. No. Because you can say in three minutes, or I'm very near now, or, you know, that no. sort of thing. But, but, but you know, that's uh, one of the fascinating things, and one of the things I want to work on a little bit more, is, is how, with the mobile phone, basically everybody who has one is time-coordinated, mm-hmm. in, in terms of the global clock. Yeah. Everybody can look at their phones right now, and basically they're at the same time, within a half a second or even more than that uh, mm-hmm. uh, less than that i mean yeah. uh with everybody else who has a mobile phone yeah uh, the, the system needs that in order to function yeah. so so for the first time we're globally synchronized which yeah. is a f- yeah. you know if you think of john harrison and the chronometers and yes. you think of you know sort of the development of timekeeping over through history yeah. that's an amazing thing it is uh yeah. the first clocks they needed they were off by 15 minutes a day yeah uh and they needed a sundial in order to set them yeah uh, so that's but right. now we're you know we're but at the same time in that we have the ability to negotiate that, to soften it, to say, mm-hmm. okay, look, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. I'll be there in just a few minutes. Can you wait? Or instead, let's meet over there because then I'm going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And that will so in other words, even though we're, we're so strictly 
coordinated with one another in, in a way that we've never ever been coordinated before, yeah. we also have the ability to, to loosen that into within those browns to interact and to open up uh, that time. So yeah. it's, it's almost like a Durkheim, uh, excuse me, Gemeinschaft and Gesellschaft. Yeah, tennis. Tennis, yeah. Uh, uh, we're, we're almost going back into the Gemeinschaft type of thing of, of the mm -hmm. local village. The uh, global village. Yeah. <laughs> Does that, did that ever have an influence on you, McLuhan's writings on communication oh, I, from uh, the 60s? I'm sure, I mean, everybody <laughs> has. Everybody's uh, read yeah. McLuhan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. the, but the global village yeah. is that becoming is that coming to fruition? Oh, I, uh, oof, yeah, that's a good question. Um, but but, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it, it allows uh, people to develop small little enclaves that yeah. uh, that are in total agreement with yeah. one another, uh, and, even and though they're yeah. going off in a exactly, and which can be completely deterritorialized, such as you and I. We would have professional networks mm. with people who we feel we know quite well. We don't necessarily meet them physically more than maybe once every two years or so, but you you have a close relationship with them because you're continuously in contact with them mm, mm. via either text messages, Facebook. Mm. email, mm. Um, Dropbox, you, you may be co-writing an article on Dropbox, you know, he's in New Zealand, I'm in Oslo, and we work on the same manuscript, mm, mm, mm. that sort of thing. So that's a, a kind of a dispersed Gemeinschaft, yeah. isn't it? Uh, ac academics are, you know, that's a fascinating, I, I think this is, it's one of the, uh, one of the professions that, that has that sort of global network. Yeah. If you were a mechanic at, in, in Tolson or something like that, uh, maybe you were a member of a, uh, of a uh, a club that yeah. uh, is interested in in hunting dogs or something yeah. like that, but that might be a little bit more regional. You might have some sort of international context, but I think academics are a yeah. little bit unique. Well, if you way. have if you have some kind of yeah, as you say, if you have an unusual interest, you know, yeah. just near where I live, there's an interesting shop where they sell these. Uh, um, remote controlled cars, little cars, oh, yeah. cars. Okay. Mm -hmm. and the people who come there, you know, to, to buy and so on, I think he sells mainly by ma mail order, well he's not mail order in most internet, he sells yeah. mainly by internet, but there are also people who come to the shop, Yeah. and they're grown men, you know, who yeah. <laughs> stand there, you know, with a remote control driving those little cars around. And comparing the different yeah. controllers. And, and I would assume so. that there would be there would be Facebook groups, there would be international networks, there would probably even be some kinds of meetings, but still uh, less connected in that exactly. sense than, yeah. uh, than, uh, than you and I would be. Yeah. So, um, hmm. so there, so there is a difference, there. and oh. uh, and yet uh, many things remain the same. You know, in in our everyday social life. Mm. I mean, we, should, we probably shouldn't exaggerate. I mean, the extent to which it changes, either, should we? No, I, I think before uh, when. Uh, if if I had to go shopping and I forgot the shopping list like I always do, yep. uh, yeah. uh, I would halfway remember it and just be prepared to uh, get a little lecture when I got home uh -huh, and uh -huh. forgot the butter or the milk or something yeah, like yeah. that. Now I can just uh, call up and say, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, I uh, fake like I really took it. But did I write milk on the list? And mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, it's here mm -hmm. in my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we're also expected to respond immediately. Yeah. So if I so if I go to the shop and I'm not you know, sure what, what what we're missing or whether whether we should get something. Uh, I send my wife a text, and if she doesn't respond within five ten minutes, it's too late. You know? yeah. Then I would <laughs> already have the left the shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, we assume that we, but we do we do coordinate a lot. So uh, uh, yes, mm -hmm. but but, yep. I, but I think the thing that is that is important is that we're using that to sort of thicken and maintain those social ties with the important people that we have. 
-hmm. And even though it's, you know, uh, the silly, I forgot the milk, that might become a meme within the family that yep. says, okay, yeah, you're always, now remember the milk. And that, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in a sense, that becomes part of our internal uh, language. Exactly. Uh, our internal ballast, I suppose, that uh, as, as a family. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah, I th I th I, yes, I think so. So, but, uh, you know, Rich, there's a huge literature on, obviously, on, on the smartphone and on internet related issues. And a lot of it, especially from our part of the world, is worried. Is very worried about. Basically, there are, I think there are two main families sort of of, of worried literature. One of them is about surveillance, mm -hmm. about the amount of data that we are freely giving away and what they're using it for, uh, and the other is uh, about you know concentration, thinking, and that sort of thing. And when you mentioned the shopping list, I maybe think about the second body of literature, namely that. Uh, uh, the smartphone is somehow we're outsourcing our brain and the more of your brain you outsource the less there is left you know inside your head yeah, yeah, yeah. because you don't have to remember things anymore like phone numbers yeah. we used to remember phone numbers no well i i suppose i you know i don't think that there's any sort of biological restructuring of our brain at, uh, in the last 15 years no uh it could be that we're having to remember uh, it you could also argue that it frees up us to remember other things like maybe mm -hmm. i should start remembering poetry or something yep. like that instead yep. um I agree that it has become a way for it, it. It's very quickly. It's it's become a way for us to note things, to remember things, to mm -hmm. uh, to ga gather information. Yeah. But it's also much richer information. Like if if you ask me, okay, how do I, if if I have to walk between here and Cincinnati, what's the best route? I can, yeah. Well, on my Google Maps, it yeah. says you go down here and over there and then up here and so on. Yeah. Uh, if you ask me, okay, uh, when was uh, Tahiti established as a nation? I can look up in uh, Wikipedia and find yep. out uh, anything. So it. Yeah, and I can even, you know, I can even ask my watch because I, I, I got a smartwatch for Christmas. Now I'm uh -huh. going to ask my watch something, okay? Hey Siri, when did Nelson Mandela die? Nelson Mandela died the 5th of December 2013 at age 95 in Hatton Estate. And there comes a photo of Nelson Mandela uh -huh. and the Wikipedia article. Hmm. So, or I could even be, if I'm completely disoriented, I could ask Siri something else. Hey Siri, where am I? You're at Moltke Valley 31, Oslo. <laughs> Quite so, I'm in my office. Very good. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it's good, it's good what we're Yeah, it's, exactly, so we know where we are. <laughs> Uh, but um, but the, yeah, but I mean the overarching question is really for many people that they feel that sometimes concentration is slipping away because of all these interruptions and all the temptations. You, I, 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 you don't share that. I, I get that. I understand that, and I, I suffer from that also. But also, I think that we need to. I, I ask my students in the middle class. I just stop. Okay, what's the? You've got. You know, this is a class on technology and communication society. I follow the the development of communication. Mm -hmm. And towards the end of the class, I say, I stop. Okay, on your, get your PCs out. Tell me, what was the last airplane at Charles de Gaulle? Yeah. And they can look at it within two or three minutes. Or yeah. It doesn't even take that long. And they say, well, it's a flight from you, you name it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it landed and it's uh, at the gate and the baggage is on the way. Mm. Right. Think about that in 1950. Yeah. If, if could I ask have asked my students in 1960 or 1970 what was the last airplane it was sitting in Singapore? Yeah. Um, what was the last airplane that landed at Charles de Gaulle? 
Yes. Or how many, what was the ratio of boys to girls born in Ukraine yeah. in uh, 1978? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so it's uh, it's amazing, and and that sort of I mean at the at the micro level, you know, the, the kind of the sort of Goffman uh, mm -hmm. interactive level, uh, this can also be used for personal surveillance. <laughs> so you know when my when my when my son did the, he he went uh, when he was nineteen twenty years old he went on a trip to Southeast Asia after you know after finishing school saving a bit of money by working he left mm -hmm. for Southeast Asia, and I could follow his itinerary, so. Uh, Sometimes I couldn't help myself, so I sent him a text message saying, "Hey, I, I can see that your flight is delayed, but never mind because it's raining where you're going." <laughs> and uh, that can be a bit exasperating. Yeah, yeah. When when you're a twenty year old and you want to discover the world, and your dad is actually actually knows which airport you're at. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My wife did the same, but that was before the mobile phone, and um, I think she talked to her. She was gone six months or three months mm -hmm. or something like that. She uh, talked to her parents once. In that period, yeah, and maybe some uh, a, yeah. a postcard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, t now I think one of the criteria for being a backpacker in in Asia is is what's the Wi-Fi number and uh, yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and one expects them somehow to be in touch once a day or something like that. And also, but be, here here I am standing in front of Angkor Wat, and yeah. here I am at uh, Buda Budur. Yeah. Uh, I got up in the morning. Isn't this a cool photograph? And you share it with everybody on Facebook, yeah. and everybody knows where you're at. Yeah, uh, it does something to you. Yeah sense of travel distance no. difference no. doesn't no. it yeah for better and worse i suppose no, the, uh, you know it, it locates you but it, maybe there's an exhibitionist uh, element <laughs> in yeah. the whole thing too yeah, yeah. so uh, can i can i just ask you one more thing we we have to wind up soon rich because i hear that uh, podcasts shouldn't be much longer than half an hour because then people's concentration starts mm -hmm. to drift off and we could have gone on for hours obviously but if I could just ask you, what's your personal relationship to your smartphone? I have it with me. I I don't. I right now I think I think the the sound is turned off when it rings. Uh, I, I turn it on and off. I don't get lost in it too much. I it's. I have I have some friends who do study. They call it automaticity, mm -hmm. and uh, that's sort of habitual behaviors mm -hmm. think of a person who smokes when they walk out the door the cigarette and the lighter is in their hands without them having to think yeah yeah, the process. yeah and then i i remember that from my day as a smoker i i i i, I suddenly I, I observed myself with a cigarette in my hand it wondering where it came from yeah. yeah but i i have a little bit of that when when i get to the bus stop or i you know have five minutes uh, that i have to just wait I know right where my phone is, and I'm. I can. Mm. What's the latest news? Is, yep. is there anything new on Facebook? No, oh, I clearly have that. But it's just become an extension of your body, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So nothing, nothing, no fuss, nothing dramatic about no. it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, but just one final question. Yeah. What's next? I mean, you've been following the yeah. development of mobile phones yeah. since the very beginning, well, and uh, so you, you're in a really good position, you know, to make some at least informed guesswork. No. Well, but, well, you know, there, I, I think you can basically talk about three phases. First is the 1G, 2G period. And that was talking and, and eventually texting. That was yeah. dyadic. I call you, we interact dyadically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, or I text you dyadically. Then uh, came 3G, 3G and eventually 4G. And that's when the era of the smartphone and mobile internet, yeah. which, which really opened up a lot of the, the platforms, Facebook, uh, well, Facebook was on uh, was PC based, but now yes. it's, it's very much. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But also WhatsApp and all of these other sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, 
maps, GPS, photography, you know, I could go on and on and on about a lot of these things. We're on the edge of 5G now, yeah. which perhaps is another, it's going to be another transition because they talk about the Internet of Things, yep. implanting it in cars, uh, smart objects, uh, those kinds of things. Yeah. Now the mobile phone is almost like a metaphor for me. My phone number is, an, is a bit of my identity. Yeah. In the next phase, as this fractionalizes, perhaps, and I'm speculating now, it could be that you, you'll have not just one, but you'll have a whole, a whole collection of different numbers mm -hmm. or uh, different identities. Yeah. Yeah, so, but uh, but we will we still have this sort of rectangular thing that we that carry in our pockets? We, <laughs> I think in the nearest future, since about 1997, the the uh, iPhone came in August, July 1997, and that form factor has been relatively. 2007. Excuse me, 2007. Yes. Uh, they've talked about these folding phones. They've talked about other you know glasses yeah. and those sorts of things. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think that we'll need some sort. We'll have some sort of a screen. You've got a watch yeah. uh, that that uh, shows you Nelson Mandela. Uh, yeah, but but the, but the main the only point about smartwatches is really, or rather, the killer apps for smartwatches are everything to do with exercise and health. Yeah. So it it measures my heart rhythm. It can you know it it can count my the number of steps I take. You know, and, and you can, you've got lots of training apps that I yeah. don't use, which are clearly one main reason why people have this. Yeah. It's not to send text messages, mm. or, but you know I use it for checking my calendar. Yeah, oh. for example. Yeah, and checking the weather forecast. Yeah, those sorts of things. But that's uh, to a certain degree that's that that fractionalization of yeah. of of this because that. But that's hooked up to your phone, yeah. and your phone is the access to the system. In a sense. That's right. Yeah. And the phone is the main thing because you, you wouldn't start reading Goethe's Faust on a watch. You might consider reading it on a phone. If you're really, uh, if you're really, if, if you're, you're desperate, <laughs> you might, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. No, I don't think so. So anyway, thanks so much for, for joining me in Hillandsverden, Hillandsworld, uh, Richling, Professor of Communications at the Nanjing Technological University in Singapore. Thank you very much. And, um, and talk to you soon. And uh, to you who are listening to Hillans World, thanks for listening and we'll be back next week.